Hey guys, so today I want to talk about self-sabotage. Have you ever found yourself in a place where you were intentionally ruining your future, where you were intentionally ruining something that was about to be good about your life? Why do we do that? We clearly have something to gain from it or we wouldn't do it. We all know there's something that we get out of it. The real voyage of discovery consists not in seeking new landscapes, but in having new eyes. Marcel Proust. What would it take for us to have new eyes? So I'm going to read from two articles here in Psychology Today. Self-sabotage is a dysregulation of everything we do, feel, think, and become. It is often a deeply hidden mental dynamic that has its roots in unconscious fears, habitual thoughts, unrealistic beliefs, and destructive emotions. The most visible expressions of self-sabotage are procrastination, self-harm, self-medication with drugs or alcohol, stress eating, interpersonal conflict, and suicide. One of the hidden culprits behind self-sabotage is the need for perfection and control. Self-sabotage has a strange way of helping us maintain the illusion that if only we had put in more effort or had been better, everything would have worked out as it should. Social psychologists call this a counterintuitive strategy of regulating our self-esteem, self-handicapping. It's very seductive to engage in self-sabotage because the hidden payoff is high. Self-sabotage originates in the internal critic we all have, the side that has been internalized by the undermining and negative voices we've encountered in our lives. Its roots may be even deeper, serving as the protector who helps us get through unbearable trauma. This critic and internal saboteur functions to keep the person from risking being hurt, shamed, or traumatized in the ways that they have been in the past. While it does keep the individual safe, it does so at a very high cost, foreclosing the possibility of new, creative, and three-dimensional experiences. Self-sabotage also has its origins in the ambivalence we all feel at times about change, with change's strange combination of both growth and loss. One can look as far back as the Odyssey to find one of the most powerful examples of this kind of ambivalence. So it talks about this piece in the Odyssey where this woman who had lost her husband, every day she would essentially sew this garment for her lost husband, and then every evening she would undo it. And then the next day she would sew it again. And then the next night she would undo it again, over and over again. How do we stop our self-sabotage? Number one, to recognize the undertoes pull. First and foremost, we must recognize that like an addiction, self-sabotage insidiously lulls and deludes us into thinking that it has the answer. To embrace complexity. It also helps to recognize self-sabotage's function. Self-sabotage is an attempt at evading the complex difficulty of being real and imperfect. It might do so out of a general sense of fear and anxiety, or a more, or a more profound history of trauma. Either way, it is more constructive and helpful for us to work on this, possibly with the support of a therapist rather than using self-sabotage as our habitual mode of coping. Cultivate self-compassion. 
I recently heard a counselor say that every time you think or say something negative, you need to say three things that are positive. And I wonder how much we identify with misery. How much do we think of ourselves as intertwined with our dark sense of the world? Seeing the good in life is an acknowledgement of not being God. And that is why it's so hard to do. Both because of the ways that we've been traumatized in the past, that causes us not to trust. And in the ways that we'd just rather control, <clears throat> that causes us, or me personally, to not want to. Four, embrace the beauty of limitation. Finally, we need to let go of our illusion of perfection and see that it is only when we are real and imperfect that we can create true work of art. I read a quote recently that said, You can justly judge the size of a man's understanding by the size of his mirth. And it was a really old quote, and I think that's probably why they used the word mirth. But this is a really interesting idea, you know, the idea that you can judge how deeply someone is uh, at the right place in the world, that how accurate they see themselves in relation to God by how much they enjoy life, by how much joy they have. So with all that said, I wanted to just get into really one thought I had as to why do we get into self-sabotage? Why do we do it? What does it give us? Self-sabotage makes us feel like we're real. When you start to see your life fall apart in highly dramatic ways, in ways that you intentionally caused it to fall apart, you feel like you're a real person that people really see. That as the pain of your life starts to take its toll, the pain reminds you that your decisions matter. And maybe if your decisions matter, then maybe you matter too. That maybe if your decisions are real, then maybe you're real as well. I believe that all vices are just bad coping mechanisms. Everything from drug abuse to alcoholism to pornography. Deep underneath an addiction to pornography is a desire for respect. It's not actually driven by a need for sex. It's actually driven by a need to feel respected. How would someone cope in a good way? How could someone accomplish enough in their life that they felt respectable so that pornography did not any longer have such a pull? I believe that perhaps, although I'm not very aware much of what underlies drug use is loneliness. That I heard someone say the other day that, uh, that drug use is a community, that it's basically like a family. And so to leave it is not only to leave the uh, physical high, but to leave the community of friends. What is that deep need underneath, way underneath, the vice that we pretend we don't have. How could we meet that need in a non-destructive way?
Because if we pretend that we do not have the need, then it will come out in a destructive way. I've recently started to go to a counselor, and honestly, I don't really feel qualified to talk about anything right now. I'm struggling in many ways, and uh, yeah, I just I don't really know if I should be talking to anyone and telling them what to do. But uh, but if this helps someone, then it, then it's worth it. You have needs. If you have, if you're self-destructing in any way, that means you have an unmet need. And how could you meet that need in a healthy way? Because we often go through life pretending we don't have them. And then later when something deeply destructive happens, or when we even cause something deeply destructive to happen, we act surprised. See, when we self-destruct, when we self-sabotage, for a moment we feel like we're a part of a cosmic drama. We feel like we're real, that our decisions have weight, and as a result, maybe we do too. But the truth is, we're always a part of a cosmic drama. We just usually don't feel like it. I want to leave you with one final thought. Self-sabotage tells you that you are ultimately alone. That there is no one that can help you. That no one ever will. And that there is no God who really loves you. As a result, since you're ultimately alone, there's no reason to be responsible. There's no one to be responsible to, and there's no one to be responsible for. No one really wants you, and no one really needs you. But the truth is the exact opposite. You are not ultimately alone, and you are responsible. I have started to see recently ways that problems I have are starting to hurt people around me. And we started going to counseling recently to try to address these things. Because you do have weight. Your decisions do matter. There are people that you are responsible for. That your decisions make a huge impact on. And you are not ultimately alone. There are people that are out of the hole that you're currently at the bottom of. There are people who care. And you may not have any of them in your life right now. But do not give up. And there is a God that loves you and me. And he's not delicate like us. He's not small. He's not fragile. If you find that you're self-destructing, what is the need that you're trying to meet? And how could you have the attention you need? How could you have the genuine affection that you need to no longer self-destruct? Underneath all our vices is that little kid jumping up and down in front of our dad saying, Can you see me? And God sees you.
1 Peter 5, 7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Psalm 68, 5 through 6, he is a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families, and he leads out the prisoners with singing. Psalm 147.3, he heals the brokenhearted and binds up their wounds. Whatever your wounds, don't pretend they don't matter. And don't pretend that you aren't responsible for the rest of your life and that it doesn't matter to God, and as a result, it shouldn't matter to you or anyone else. You are responsible, but you are not alone.